Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Phillies Focus Pod. On today's show, I will be looking back on what was, in spite of it being Bryce Harper's first week back, a week to forget. Um, I will be touching base on Bryce Harper's uh, first few games back in action, as well as Kyle Schwarber's struggles and Trey Turner's continued struggles and the continued struggles of the pitching staff. Um, The good news is there's a reinforcement on the way. So without further ado, let's get this started. Interestingly, Pete Rose used to use a a bat that was manufactured in in Japan, the Mizuno bat, when I was bat-boying for the Phillies, and it was the hardest wood I had ever touched. All right. All right. So I uh, I predicted the Boston series correctly. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I did not predict the Dodgers series um, correctly. As I said, we would take two out of three over in Los Angeles. And we went 0-3, got swept. Uh, L.A. brought out the brooms on us. Um, scored 36 runs in the three-game series against us to our 11 um yeah started off monday just terribly uh lost 13 to 4 taiwan walker gave up eight runs was just struggling with his command once again um just a terrible outing uh terrible game and that was that tuesday was even worse um lost 13 to 1 um that was bryce harper's return uh Really not much to say there. Strom uh, looked gassed. He looked tired uh, out out of the gate. The bullpen just imploded uh, like it was in the first week of the season. And, uh, yeah, that was that as well. Um, Wednesday started off looking different. We ended up losing 10-6, to but we, we blew another 5-0 lead with Nola on the mound. Um, Similarly to opening day, he had a 5 nothing lead and ended up giving up a few. Our bullpen blew it late. Um, Sosa had a huge error in the eighth inning that gave up uh, two runs that gave the Dodgers a 6-5 to lead. Um, we did tie it in the top of the ninth, 6-6, and then with the bases loaded against good old uh, Craig Kimbrell, Max Muncy, uh, who I believe is leading the NL in home runs, hit a walk-off grand slam. So that was that for the series. Shut the door, lost it 0-3, lost the game 10-6, and like I said, um, lost the run differential 36-11. to So just got manhandled out there in Los Angeles by a, a surging Dodgers team. They came out of the the gate to start the season um in non-typical dodger fashion we're kind of hovering around 500 for a while but they're really hitting their stride now and um we were caught in the middle of what is a, a hot stretch for them and um yeah so that was that had an off day on thursday much needed off day and then welcomed the red Sox to citizens bank park over the weekend which is always a uh Always a big selling weekend on Sunday was the uh, the Phillies' largest regular season crowd in over four years. 
um, in spite of the recent struggle. So that just kind of shows how popular the Red Sox are and how their fans travel. Um, so on Friday, it was, I believe, I forget, it, it might have been Wheeler. Um, yeah, Wheeler against Chris Sale, another lefty who hasn't been pitching very well this season for the Red Sox coming into Friday. But as we know, and as I talk about a lot on this podcast, um, the Phillies just struggle versus lefties. Um, there's no getting around it. They just really, whenever there's a lefty coming up on the schedule, I just assume it's going to be a tough day for the Phillies' offense. And, um, yeah, in spite of Chris Sale not not having a good season so far, looked really good on Friday, struck out 10 uh, against the Phillies, um, and the Red Sox ended up winning 5-3. Uh, to three. Um and Saturday, uh, went up one nothing, but that was short lived. Thirty-seven um, year old Corey Kluber uh, pitched a very well outing against the Phillies. Um, yeah, thirty-seven year old Corey Kluber shut down the Phillies for the most part. And uh, Bailey Falter did not pitch well. Um, he dropped to zero and six on the year. The Phillies have lost six out of seven of his starts, so it is beginning um, to come into question whether or not we can continue with Falter at the back end of the rotation. Um, Christopher Sanchez might be worth a look at some point, but he's very similar. Um, you kind of know what you're going to get uh, in terms of quality stuff. He, he might he might throw a couple miles per hour faster than Falter, Uh Walter does not does not have a uh, an out pitch against right-handers, and he has his numbers against the few left-handers that he's faced this year have just been atrocious, even worse than than righties. So, um, yeah, there's there's been a few games in which it wasn't Walter's fault for that the Phillies ended up losing, but there's been quite a few that it has been his fault as well, or uh, at least in part. Um, so yeah, we we dropped uh, Saturday's game, losing our sixth straight game after um, going fifteen and thirteen. We lost six in a row, losing Saturday's game by a score of seven to four to drop to at the time fifteen and nineteen. Um, Sunday was a big bounce back game, a needed victory uh, for you got to think morale purposes. Uh, we won by a score of six to one. Taiwan Walker had what well, what is one of his few good starts so far this year. He only gave up three hits, and he had zero walks. He had zero th- walks. He threw his splitter over 50% of the time on Sunday, which is, I was reading, is only the ninth time in the last four years that any pitcher has thrown a splitter in a start over 50% of the time. And, um... Six of those other outings were one pitcher, and then one of them was Otani, and one of them was uh, Kevin Gossman of the Blue Jays, who we're facing later this week. Um, so he's only the fourth pitcher in the last four seasons, essentially, to throw his footer over 50% of the time. And um, him and Real Muto were talking after the game that he just wanted Real Muto to be setting up center of the plate, uh, just start, start attacking um, hitters in, in the strike zone, um, and force them to put the ball in play, and it worked out, it worked out on Sunday, we'll see, uh, moving forward, um, if that's going to 
be a continued success. But um, Sunday was big for them. Um, they needed to get out of that six-game losing streak, obviously. Uh, no walks. Matt Schramm came in and got the save, uh, two-inning save, and um, looked really good. So he, uh, Schramm is is looking like one of the better acquisitions, not only for the Phillies, but uh, in the offseason overall. Uh, I, I kind of joked around in, in the first primer episodes leading up to the season on this podcast that Strom was quoted in spring training saying he wanted to have 10 starts and 10 saves, and I said that that was not very realistic. Um, but who knows? I mean, he's got, what, six starts now, and he's got his first save of the year. Uh, so that was good. And Sunday kind of capped off, like like I said, it was uh, – Overall, week two forget, but um, Phillies were outscored forty-nine to twenty-four this past week. I pause just so that can sink in. I'll say it one more time: they were outscored twenty-nine to twenty or forty-nine to twenty-four in the past six games. Um, they went one and five uh, and dropped to sixteen and nineteen overall. Um, kind of feeding off I don't know if it was last week's episode or two weeks ago but I kind of got into how I was disappointed by the lack of movement on the base pass um Phillies had zero stolen bases in the last six games this past week zero stolen bases um so I'm really starting to pay attention to that and and question uh Thompson's philosophy in terms of um why he's being so conservative does it have something to do with all of the early season struggles of when the Phillies were getting thrown out on the base pass due to poor decision making um non-stolen base uh opportunities but um yeah yeah it's it it did that kind of seep into his consciousness and or subconsciousness in terms of not wanting to give away out um but when they have stolen their few bases on the season, um, they they haven't gotten thrown out very many times. Uh, only a, a couple times have they been thrown out. They, uh, Yeah, I don't think that they've stolen a base since I was talking about it last time. They're still at 18 stolen bases a, as a team on the whole year in, what are they, uh, 16 and 19, so 35 games, they have 18 stolen bases in this new uh, MLB that is just encouraging uh, movement on the on the base pass, so um, yeah, that's very disappointing to me, and I would love to see uh, a very high uptick in, in uh, stolen base attempts, and um, just get some movement, get some aggression going, uh, we're giving up 36 runs in three games to the Dodgers. We need to try to steal as many runs as we can. Um, in that 6-10 to 10 game, there were a couple times when we could have continued to push when we had the 5-0 lead, when we had the 5-3 lead. Um, we, we were playing conservative at that point, and maybe if we had gotten a, uh, a few extra runs to make it 7-4, uh, uh, eight to eight to four. Uh, maybe we end up winning that game just based on some better opportunities. Uh, you know, getting the runner to third base with less than two outs, things of that nature. Um, but 
I digress. Uh, it was Bryce Harper's first week back. Um, started off with a rough first game, that 13-1 loss on, on Tuesday. He went 0-5 with, I think he had uh, three strikeouts. Um, so that was to be expected, no biggie. But So we'll eliminate that game. So we'll say in the four games since uh, his game back, he has seven hits and six runs scored. Um and uh yeah already already has a couple doubles a homer so i am very excited and uh looking forward to him starting to kind of stabilize this lineup a little bit that was really starting to slow down after uh, a hot few weeks there um stott has predictably come back to earth uh castellanos has been had struggled this past week um so uh, Alec Bohm has not uh, continued to produce the success that he had in the first couple weeks of the season. He hasn't hit a home run in, I want to say, since the second week of the season. He he came out of the gate hot, feeding off of his hot spring training power-wise, and um, he had three home runs in the first two weeks and hasn't had another one since. So everyone is kind of, excuse me, uh, everyone is kind of slowing down uh, a little bit, and Brandon Marsh is still uh, playing well, but is is coming back down from the high that he was on. Um, so yeah, we need Bryce Harper, uh, obviously. So welcome back, Bryce. Good to have you. Um, segues me right into Kyle Schwarber. Um, mm, mm. Uh, a lot of people were saying due to the ban on the shift, that he was going to have a bigger year in terms of upping his average, which even historically he's around like a 230 hitter, I think, for his career. So last year wasn't too far off that at 218, but, um, you know, he's not he's not an average hitter. That's not something that is to be expected by him, but um, he just had a 1-for-30 stretch that he snapped out of on Sunday. Um, a one for 30 stretch from Kyle Schwarber, uh, his average is down to 188. He is, uh, last on the team in terms of the regulars in doubles. Um, now I know he's not obviously speedy whatsoever, but you would think, um, you know, a guy with his type of power could be hitting it into the gap, could be hitting it down the right field line more often and, could be getting more doubles um I really don't see any excuse for him to be last of all of the regular position players um he played in 35 uh yeah all 35 games um so that's just inexcusable he's for, he's first on the team in strikeouts so he's last in doubles first in strikeouts um and yeah we just we need more we need more from uh Schwarber moving forward uh he does lead the league lead the league no he, he does not lead the league he leads the team in in home runs um at eight but even that I'm beginning to kind of look further into his home runs um now last year it was more understandable batting lead off the majority of the season and he has batted lead off a, a decent amount this year too but the vast majority of his home runs are solo shots um, seven out of his eight home runs this year are, are, uh, solo shots. So that begs to question, are, 
is it a uh, psychological thing? Um, are pitchers obviously giving him better pitches to hit when there's nobody on base out of uh, less trepidation for giving up the long ball? You know, are they pitching him more conservatively? Obviously, um, if, if he's got one or two guys on. But um, that's something I'll look further into and, and uh, dive into the numbers maybe for next week's episode is his actual... Um, statistics uh with men on base versus no one on base and um you know why he isn't able to hit more home runs when he has the opportunity uh to score more runs and you know drive more guys in he's he's near the bottom of the team in rbis as well um so yeah i don't know we're, we're gonna get our home runs from schwarber um there's no questioning that but like yeah, I don't know. I'm beginning, or not beginning, I've, I guess I always have. I, I question his overall value uh, in terms of uh, an outfielder. And, um, you know, everybody says, oh, the intangibles. And it's a locker room presence. You know, he was, he was a, a huge part of that World Series run last year because he, uh, he brought the locker room together. You know, the camaraderie, the the kinship um that's Kyle Schwarber that's what he has to offer is what I'm told and um you know I don't I don't doubt those things but um at a certain point it's beginning uh yeah I don't want to make a uh, a PJ Tucker um reference right now on Philly's focus pod this is not a Sixers podcast or but um yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's insulting to Schwarber. Honestly, he's he's much better than PJ Tucker, is a basketball player. So um, he does have a lot more to offer. But what I'm getting at is, yeah, one th- one for thirty stretch is unacceptable. Four doubles, thirty five games in, is unacceptable. And a batting average under the Mendoza line for Schwarber is unacceptable. So um, he'll turn it around, I'm sure. Um, we are getting closer to June, which is historically his hottest month for whatever reason. Um, so let's hope that continues. Uh, fingers reluctantly crossed, or cautiously, I should say. Fingers cautiously crossed on that. Um, Trey Turner is well. Um, still so much to be desired. He's, uh, he's up there in strikeouts as well. He's got 39. He's only got seven walks. He's not a big walk guy I am learning um and again still stuck at four stolen bases I just I'm having trouble comprehending that and uh I think justifiably so again Acuna right now is at 15 already Turner's at four and I think it's fair to compare them on the base pass at the very least um it seems to me, again, this is something I'll have to dive deeper into and maybe get back to on next week's show, but, uh, man, does Turner whiff a lot? You guys notice that? Like, he's just swinging through pitches and just not even making contact in some of the biggest moments. I, be- I believe uh, in the last two weeks alone, there's been at least two, maybe three game-ending strikeouts uh, swinging through the ball um, with uh, potential situations to tie the game or or hit walk-offs and he's just going up there and hacking away at three straight pitches not even 
making any contact. Um, so I want to, yeah, I'll, I'll have to dive more deeper into his whiff rate and if this is a historical trend for him or if this is just something that is part of a, a slump essentially for him to start his Phillies career. Um, but I don't enjoy watching him uh, so far with the Phillies. I really don't. Um, every time he comes up, I kind of cringe and I'm just expecting a strikeout or an, or a pop-up or swinging at a first-pitch ball, uh, popping it up, or a grounder. Um, there's just been a lot of really lazy at-bats. Um, he doesn't seem to make the pitcher work um, to throw him a bad pitch. He just goes up there hacking away and seems like... Um, part of the opponent's game plan so far this season has been to just attack him. Um, or that kind of contradicts what I sh just said. So not necessarily to just attack him, but to uh, understand that he's going to be attacking uh, early on. So just kind of throw him something high, th uh, cause him to pop it up early in the count, or throw a pitch where he can't even be making contact. High and outside seems to be... Uh, his kryptonite so far though or you know what I mean it uh Turner or pitching high and outside to Turner seems like pitching low and outside to Castellanos and that he's likely going to bite and he's likely going to just swing right through it so um out of his 39 strikeouts um I would I would bet that a lot of those uh, or uh the majority of those strikeouts have come on a high and outside fastball. Um, so yeah, uh, much like Schwarber, we need we need a lot, a lot better from Turner. I uh, had to laugh this morning. MLB uh, sent out a email of like their early season MVP um, rankings based on different writers' um, surveys, and a couple. Uh, somehow, some way, Turner made the honorable uh, mentions at the bottom after uh, like the top five NL MVP um, candidates. If the season were to end today, um, Acuna, um, I think, obviously got I think every first place vote um, out of forty writers that submitted surveys. I think he got every vote. So, uh, yeah, good for the the fucking Braves down there and. You know, Turner was or Turner uh, Acuna wasn't even fully healed last year. Um, had didn't have a normal offensive season for for him, and the Braves still win 101 games. And then, oh, by the way, the second in in the writers' poll was um, Sean Murphy, the the catcher they got from the A's this off season, um, who is making a run for dare I say BCIB. Um, I don't know if he's there yet. I think our boy Real Muto is still the guy, but Murphy uh has has youth on his side. He has uh he's considerably younger than Real Muto, and they got him locked up to I believe a five year like seventy five million dollar contract. They just like they have every single position other than um left field and shortstop locked up for many years ahead on all team-friendly deals. Um, so, yeah, good old Atlanta Braves, uh, second-best record in baseball right now. But 
Ah, this is a, a Phillies podcast, so I um I can only dedicate the time no more than the time I just spent. What was it? Probably about two minutes talking about the Braves, and it's about a minute and a half too long for today. So, so I digress over or out of the the Braves talk, but um, yeah, I guess point is I had to laugh at the honorable mention of Trey Turner as far as MVP as of now at this point in the season. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the year and how his season will turn out. But um, as of now, it has not been a good grade. I would grade Turner's season so far as, I don't know, C-minus compared to what what we, uh, like I said, four stolen bases, you know, only, what, a couple home runs, maybe three home runs. Um, Need a lot more of that than Trey. So uh, moving on to our pitching, which is, yeah, I I already talked about this past week. Um, We had hit a hot stretch there when we were playing really good baseball for a few weeks with our our pitching starting to look like it was – Starting to kind of figure some things out, um, but man, did that change of of late. Um, we're twenty uh, fourth in the league in terms of runs allowed. We're twenty sixth in team ERA. Um, so I'm not sure how much we can really do about that as of now. But the good news is, um, Ranger Suarez is coming back uh, from the injured list. By this weekend, they are bringing him up once one uh, rehab assignment start short than they were planning. It seems like in large part due due to necessity, uh, but also they were saying because that he's progressed faster than they they were uh, even hoping. Um, so he ended up with uh, I think it was three starts. He started once at Double A Reading and then twice at triple-a lehigh valley um so going into his last start they were they wanted uh four innings and 65 pitches and he ended up going five innings and 48 pitches so a very efficient outing uh in triple-a and it looks like he's going to start saturday in colorado so that's kind of a tough tough place to come back uh and pitch your first game of the year as you're still kind of redeveloping your conditioning in that high altitude obviously and then the ball uh flies in Colorado notoriously so um it's kind of tough to bring him back against Colorado but at the same time uh that's I guess when we'll need him the most as well um so big weekend series welcome back Ranger Suarez um first time uh not the first time because he pitched in the World Series but I'll never forget to be at a Game five last year against San Diego, I, I was there for the the NLCS clincher and um, obviously the Bryce Harper home run. But what is just as memorable for me in terms of that game is when uh, David Robertson came in and I think he walked two batters. Um, he got he got a strikeout for the first out and I think he walked two batters. So it was I know it was first and second. The Phillies were holding the four to three lead and there was one out. And Ranger Suarez gets brought in, and um, I was I was very confident that at that time. I loved the move. I had no idea what was happening until I saw him walking out of the bullpen through the outfield, and I uh, 
I just felt like he's he, we got this. It's, it's Suarez with his uh, his demeanor. I just I really believed. And then what was it? Two pitches, right? Um, he got the uh, well, <laughs> here I say another for so I'll never forget the feeling. I'll never get forget the sentiment. But I guess the details have kind of evaded me. But um, yeah, no first pitch. Uh, I guess it must have been a pop up. I know I know the final out was a pop up, but uh, yeah, I think he had uh, two outs on two pitches um, to end the game to get the uh, the save to send him to the World Series. So. Yeah, I uh, love Suarez. He's one of my favorites on the team. And um, yeah, when I when I heard he left Team Venezuela in the World Baseball Classic, it didn't sound like anything to be uh, worrisome about uh, to start the year in terms of extended time that he was going to miss. Um, so it turned into a lot longer than was originally expected and than I had anticipated based on what was being conveyed from the uh, team personnel. So took a lot longer than I was hoping, but it is so nice that he will be making his uh, Phillies debut over the weekend. So look forward to recapping that on next week's episode. Um, moving on, I got a final segment here before I wrap things up, uh, bring it back for the third week in a row. It is time for former Philly focus. Um, Today, I will be looking in on old friend Zach Eflin, who was became a bit of a, a uh, cult hero last year during that playoff run. His, uh, his numbers don't quite do him justice in terms of what he was able to do in that playoffs because he uh, to bring him into the bullpen role, a couple save situations, uh, he just was a huge part of that World Series run last year and just lengthening the depth of our bullpen, so... Zach, we miss you. Uh, grateful for your time here and your contributions to the National League uh, champion run last season. Um, so looking in on this year, the Rays, I was shocked to hear this, but it is the Rays, so it makes sense. Um, I knew he got three years, $40 million from Tampa in the offseason, but then I found out recently that that is their biggest um, free agent signing of all time monetarily. $40 million is the, the Tampa Bay's biggest free agent signing ever. Um, and they are the best team in baseball at 29-7 and seven this year. So Zach Eflin um, has been a big part of the Rays' early success in their starting rotation. So for the 29-7 and seven Rays, Eflin is 4-0. and He has a 2.25 ERA, and he has 31 strikeouts to only three walks. Uh, what a ratio. Um, so good for you, Zach Eflin. We, uh, we miss you and very happy to see him succeeding down there in Tampa. And I wish him the best. I, I hope that he's able to stay healthy throughout this year. I believe he did already have a stint on the 10 day IL. Um, if he didn't make that, he did, I think, miss a start. Um, cause he only has five games started so far this year. One, one, four of them. And, uh, yeah, pitching great, so he's going to have an opportunity, health permitting, um, to pitch again uh, some very meaningful games in September and October this year. Um, so that was former Philly Focus, looking at Zach Eflin and his uh, post-Phillies career down in Tampa. Um, so kind of wrapping things up here. So we got... 
the Blue Jays in town uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday tonight and tomorrow. Um, that's going to be a tough series. The Blue Jays are playing very good baseball this year. They're 21 and 14. Um, some good pitching matchups. We got Aaron Nola versus Alec Manoa tonight. Manoa is a right-hander, thankfully. Uh, don't have to face any left-handers this series. And then tomorrow we have Wheeler versus Kevin Gossman for the Blue Jays. So I am hoping for the best, obviously. Um, screw it, you know. I, I, I fell on the Dodgers last week, a good hot Dodger team, and we got a good hot Blue Jay team to start off the week again uh, this week. But let's go for the sweep. We got, we got our... Uh, Dual aces on the mound going. They haven't been themselves so far this year, but they have had some really good starts, and I'm kind of banking on them to kind of settle things down. We had the off day yesterday. We have another off day on Thursday, so we have an opportunity to really get our bullpen nice and rested if Nola and Wheeler can go deep into the games tonight and tomorrow. Um, so I'm going to say they do. I'm going to look for around seven innings or at least into the seventh inning. And uh, I'm looking for our, our bats to kind of wake up a little bit. Um, not that they've been horrendous, but, uh, you know, have left a little bit to be desired versus uh, during this losing stretch. Um, so I'm going to say we sweep the Blue Jays to go to, what would that make us, 18 and 19 going into the off day before traveling out for a six-game road trip to Colorado and then San Francisco going into next week. Um, so then we, after the off day on Thursday, we travel to Colorado for our, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday series against the Rockies. Uh, like I said, Ranger Suarez will be debuting uh, over the weekend, so I look forward to that. Um, I'm assuming Falter uh, and Walker will be getting the other two starts. So I say we take two out of three in Colorado. Uh, Rockies are always, always a better home team than they are a road team uh, due to their acclimation to their climate, it would, it would suggest. Um, so it shouldn't be an easy series. It wasn't even uh, necessarily an easy series in Philadelphia when we played the Rockies. So, um, But I'm going to say two out of three, which would put us... Two, that would make us uh, twenty and twenty if we can um, if we can sweep the Blue Jays and take two out of three out of the Rockies to make it a four and one week. Uh, so that would uh, kind of reset things back at square one if we can get to twenty and twenty by the end of the week. And then I will be talking to you next week um, when we're twenty and twenty on Monday going into the series against old friend. Gabe Kapler. Um, maybe I just segued next week for next week's former Philly focus. Um, so as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time, and I uh, I will be talking to you all shortly. All right, thank you, and take care.